Rove McManus, Sam Frost. Today FM. Sarah Mon- good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, you've got the book out, allegedly. That is the title of the book. There is, I'm not saying <laughs> we're not sure if I a book is out or not. Book out, yeah. uh, now, there's, oh wow, there's two things I want to jump straight into. Firstly, I will ask this the book is out. That means you're you're on the promo trail for it. Yes. That means this story is coming up a lot and you are reliving it a lot. How difficult is that? It's um I think it's good because I finally got to tell my story because even before, you know, it was very controlled interviews and um in court you don't really get to tell your story. It's very hammered. And so this time I actually got to, like, it's like word vomit. It just all came out and I got to release it. And um, a lot of people are very excited that the book's coming out, especially people who've been through the same situation. So um, it's a, I was a little nervous coming out, but at the same time I was very excited because it's, it's like this chapter's now done mm-hmm. and I told my story and I can move on. And writing the book... Did you, you know, when you were going down that path and reliving what had happened to you very sadly as a child, did you remember things that you had forgotten, that you had buried so deep and dark away that it sort of had come up and you had to relive that? Yeah, because a lot of the time they'd be like they'd wanted, you know, specific dates and stuff. And so I had to go through old magazines and things like that and actually look at stuff. And I, I a lot of things triggered. And then I was talking to other people like, you know, what happened here? What happened here? You know, just making sure everything was right. And so there was that whole process of having to bring everything up. But in a way, it's good because you don't heal unless you acknowledge. And so I got to acknowledge everything. I got to work through it. You know, there were days where I was crying when I was writing it. But then once it's out, it's great. Yeah. So the second thing I was going to bring up is you look at the adorable picture of you, <laughs> oh, you on look the cover. so beautiful. And it makes this story all the more sad to think that's that's the little girl. You forget. We sort of think of you as you were older, maybe towards the end of the run right. or how you are now. I was very cute. Oh, you <laughs> are oh, still are very cute, look if at I those may. piggy <laughs> tails with ribbons. Oh, you're so cute. But you're it so ma- smushy. It, it does make it all the more impacting to think about what was going on and and what age it was happening to you. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing, like, I never really talk about it, but I never have the long hair anymore. Like, every time it starts to grow out, like, I always have a pixie because it starts to grow out. My husband's like, grow your hair. And I start to grow out and I look like her and I don't want to look like her. Mm. So I always cut it off. And has it been uh, a difficult thing for you, uh, even all these years later, to have that healing process? And, And do you think there will ever really come a sense of closure with it? I think um, I'm well. I almost had I almost had the closure, and then of course there was the second appeal. Mm. Um, so it drags it up again. But this is the last time he can appeal, and hopefully once that's done, and it's not just me; it's all the other girls because there was the you know five of us in court, and then there was all the other girls that the police knew about that didn't go to court because either they didn't have enough charges or enough evidence, or they chose not to. Um, so there's you know there's almost twenty of us that have to go through that every time. Um, and but hopefully once this appeal's over and it's done, we can all just live our lives and get along with it. Yeah. And I can't believe that he was sentenced to a maximum of 10 years. Like that seems too light of such a horrible, horrific thing that he did do to so many young girls. And it's sad that, oh, so he's serving 10 years, but the trauma and you have to spend not only your life but your husband and your family and everyone else is affected by this um and it just seems so so light of a sentence that it doesn't seem fair and it's frustrating um as an outsider so I can't even imagine how frustrating it would be for you well and 
they had to sentence him on um, what he would have gotten if we'd gone to court back in the day because now they acknowledge. Like back then it was just, you know, oh, that's just, you know, part of society. People accepted it. And at oh. some point people actually realised how it could affect your entire life, as we're seeing now with the Royal Commission. People years later are still affected. And so at some point they went through and they redid all the sentencing. But because he did it back in the day, uh, they had to, ch- like, sentence him on what the charges would have been. And oh. also his actual charges were what they would have been back then, not on what they would be considered now. Oh, that's disgraceful. It should be like, too bad, so sad. This is what the sentence is right now. I would love a judge to give that as a verdict. (laughs) You want me to go judge it? I will. Too bad, so sad. I don't care. That's just sentence, Your Honour. Go away for a long time. We actually had a really good judge in court. There was a couple times where the lawyer was very inappropriate and the, the, oh. the judge, I have to say, slapped him down and said, no, you're not even going there. When We're you going. say inappropriate, what do you mean? Well, like he would just bring up things like, because I was in the military at the time and he was trying to say that I was lying about my military service. Oh. And I'm like, okay, my being in the military right now has absolutely zero to do with this case. And then there was also a comment because I do live in the States and I don't live in LA and I live a long way away, but I fly to LA and visit my friends and there was a G'day LA event. And I'm like, how fun would, I had tweeted, how fun would it be to go to, you know, one of these events and hang out absolutely. with everyone? Because who wouldn't, you know, even if you're sure. not. And, and so he brought up in court and he was like, you know, you're such a wannabe and you're trying to get your 15 minutes oh. of fame and you know do you really honestly think that you are uh, famous enough to be in a room with these people <gasps> and I was just like oh my god really like and the judge was like are, do you are you seriously implying that she's not like good enough to be in a room with Kate Blanchett and the whole court oh, stopped nice. and we're like did you just really say Kate Blanchett <laughs> oh my god and so he was like move on like and so i was like thank you like, oh wow how horrific yeah now, i i have been on jury duty it's fine, for it? for a case similar to yours wow and and one of the things i found was when they when they call the jurors names up and you're allowed to you know say if you have any prejudice or something that would make you exempt because you'll have a, a biased opinion. There's a guy who stood up and said, I am a school teacher, a primary school teacher, and I think, therefore, my opinion would be swayed in this case. And the judge pretty much said, look, I will excuse you, but tore strips off this guy, saying none of us want to hear these kind of details. None of us want to deal with this type of issue, but it's your duty and your right to to do the right thing and put someone like this away, you have to hear the horrendous details on the way. Now, that was something that was... A very human thing. Of course, if you could wave the magic wand, would anyone want to be there and hear those stories? No. But the outcome is for the greater good. Do you feel that when you were going through this at the time that there were people who did know what was going on and didn't want to face it for that reason? Absolutely. Well, and, you know, even during the media stuff when it first came out, there was other people who went on TV and said, maybe I misinterpreted the situation or that, you know, I didn't understand. And these were people who definitely knew because there'd been discussions back in the day, but they just didn't want to acknowledge it or had gotten bad advice. Um, But yeah, I mean, but we had a really good jury, though, because instead of just saying, you know, and there was five of us and they had to go on all of those and they actually deliberated the one day and said, we think guilty, guilty, guilty. And they couldn't decide on me and one other girl. And they came back the next day and they said, we'd like more We'd like more of the evidence and we'd like to go through the paperwork again. And they were very meticulous one at a time on each charge because there was 12 charges. And they were great. I mean, they and then they 
there was a hung jury on the one girl. And then with me, it wasn't till the next day that they came back and said, yes, you know, guilty. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, and people think, well, they just thought, you know, it was one and it wasn't. They were very, very meticulous. And they did a, they did a good job. Now, that's that's part of the story as well. So you have come into Hey Dad. It's your, your first acting gig out of modelling as a child. And uh, knowing what happens in the end, but you're coming in as a new person to this story. Robert Hughes is obviously living his life the way he has already been. It's not like this was a new thing for him. No. So for you, how long, like it didn't happen straight away, but obviously there was a process there that, was that happened. There was from yes. the very beginning because there was always like even in the, the pilot, you know, you see he like when we did all the photos, he would pull me onto his lap. And you can see the hands in all the old pictures. Like, if you go back through all of the old still shots, you're like, eh, it's kind of creepy now. Oh, yeah. He looks creepy. And then, of course, as soon as Dad died, there was that in because he knew your, your my real dad real died. Real dad, yes. Um, that was the first year of doing the show? Yeah. We filmed the first series and he died between the first and the second series and he'd never actually got to see it go to air. So, um, and then as soon as that happened, of course, you know, there's that vacant. And so a predator at that point knows that they can swoop in. So do you think people already knew what he was like and what he was doing prior to you even coming in and starting the show? I don't know if people in television did, um, but there had been other things outside. Like he'd been investigated before and his daughter had had to change schools at one point because he had molested two girls (gasps) at the school and so they actually, she had to change schools. and that, But that happened while I was on the show because she came to the studio one day to when we did rehearsals and handed him the letter that said that she'd been asked to leave. Um, wow. So at that point, we all knew it wasn't just me. So it... And knowing that, of course, you know, it, it, you've got Robert Hughes, you've got Rolf Harris, you've got Bill Cosby, you've got these people that it seemed like it was an era where it was... You know, it was warped in some respects, but but acceptable or people got away with it or whatever the reasoning was. And nobody was. dared question. Nobody dared question. But is there a level to which there's a fear of it must still be happening now? It's not like that sort of thing just stops or that was an era where guys were like, oh, it's okay to do it because everyone's okay with it, like swingers parties or something. It's a different time, a different era. No, it's yeah. wrong. I, th- I think that it still happens, and I'm involved in a charity in the States, a minor consideration, which is just for um, current and former child stars, and they're actually trying to change laws because a lot of states, like they'll go and film reality shows in places like Arkansas and Pennsylvania because there are no child labour laws and there's no protection. So you're better off being a dog on a set because you have a handle and they make sure that you get water, whereas kids, they're like, oh, you can work at 2 a.m., it's fine. Um, and so you still see all the time, like there are on-set tutors who are faking their credentials so that they can have access to kids. So it's still oh. happening. So, And that's part of the reason for the book is to keep it out there that you have to keep watching your kids. And that was a lot of it was I wanted to write it for parents to say, don't get complacent. You know, Number one, don't put your kids in the industry because it's work. People forget that it is work. It's not like all red carpets and parties and hanging out. It's actual work. I think you use the line in the book, it's not show play, it's show business. Exactly. And I had to go to school during the day and then go to work in the evening. You know, I had no free time. And so, you know, it's it's hard. For, I mean, some kids have great experiences on set, but it's not a normal childhood. And so, um, you know, if you're going to put your kid in the industry, it's your responsibility to take care of kids. And that's part of the reason for the book is to tell parents this is a, I mean, it's not guaranteed. It's a possibility that this is going to happen and you need to be watching out for it. And, and you would, 
left unprotected for a lot of the time you were there. Right. And the first time Robert has uh, exposed himself to you, uh, you have gone to look for help and, and couldn't really find it. No one really wanted to accept what had happened. No one wanted to believe you. And is that part of the problem, that it's always on the victim People believed me. Oh, they did? They believed me, but they, like, Simone went to the producer and said this happened. And he said, that's great. I'll take care of it. Don't ever speak about it again. Wow. So do you think that it was like a out of sight, out of mind type situation? Or they were just trying to protect their lead character? We were the highest rating television show in the country. Like, we were higher than sports events. We were, like, rating 36 at the time. Nobody wanted to rock the boat. And a lot of the crew went, you know, to production and said, look, you know, this guy's a pedo. It's inappropriate. We can't leave her with him. And they were all just, you know, if you say anything, we're going to have you removed. Isn't that just so disgusting? And you speak about in the book how you would find your own ways to, you know, uh, get your revenge on Robert Hughes. Yes. And give us a couple of examples of Well, we had to use his dressing room because it was the one attached to the studio. And um, he used to keep all of his um, cosmetic stuff in there. And so um, I peed in his remover. (laughs) (laughs) So he wiped my pee all over his face. (laughs) Um, and then, you know, just little things like the car where, you know, I talk about in the book where I put mulberries all over his brand new white car and nobody, and this is the thing, nobody said anything. They came to me and said, Sarah, did you do it? Mulberry, like purple stained hands. No. Yeah, right. (laughs) Like very, like Simpson, wasn't me. And, um, nobody questioned it, which means you know that they know because they don't want to push it because if they have to push it, then it comes out why you did it and they don't want to know. So how was that, that, um... Butting of heads. You've got Robert going, they're not going to do anything. They they haven't now. Which empowered him more. And then you fighting back with, I dare you to chastise me and have this all come out in the open. Yeah, so where did that reach its apex? So I guess about the time I was 12 and I actually got boobs and stuff, he was like not as interested in me anymore. And there was an incident on set where I had done, it's in the book where I said, um, you know, I feel really fat. And he's like, well, you know why that is, don't you? And I was just like, oh, my God, that's so rude. But it was the first time he did it in front of everyone and everybody heard it. And so there was um, Megan, the the makeup lady, and Lauren, who was in wardrobe, literally grabbed me and took me behind the set. And really loudly, they were like, he's going to make her anorexic. And they were like, you know, he's an ass and all this sort of stuff. And that was the moment that I was empowered because I knew other people had seen it. And they were like, we are not going to put up with this anymore. And so Megan actually ended up being my unofficial chaperone. And then I was always, they were like, you know, anytime you're, you're either in the makeup room or in wardrobe and we'll take care of you and we won't allow him anywhere near you. Which <laughs> should have happened sooner, but I hear what you're saying. And it was a very similar incident that you overheard as an acting coach right. years and years and later. that was my trigger. Was your trigger point to say, I need to actually speak out about this all these years yeah, later. Yeah, because I'd, I'd suppressed it and pushed it down and thought, you know, I'm, I don't want to deal with it. I don't want... And then, yeah, the acting the acting coach thing. And the mum came to me and they said, to, you know, there was very inappropriate stuff going on. And she said, well, you know, your daughter's too fat to be a model anyway. And I just, I flipped out and I came home and my husband's like, what the hell happened? 
And I told him and he's like, I've never, it's like he said it was just a switch had gone off inside and he said he'd never seen me so angry in my entire life. And everything came up to the surface. And um, yeah, that woman worked in my office building that I was working in at the time. And I probably would have gone to prison (laughs) because I went down her office to confront her. And thankfully she was not there. (laughs) (laughs) And it was really weird because another Australian person actually... um, shared an office space with her and I was really good friends with him and he just I was like sweating and red and like the steam coming out of the ears and he had to calm me down and I'm like just don't ever let me near her and uh then then at at that point they'd already been asking me to do the story in Australia because everybody knew and so that was my point where I said yes I will do the story but isn't there Mm. something slightly warped in that that when you first came out you can't name him I didn't want to Right. Because I didn't want, I knew once he was named, it would just be, oh, well, this just happened to you and him. And it's not a nationwide or an industry wide thing. And so I, I had actually said, I don't want him to name anybody to name me because I want it to be just a general warning. This is what happens in the industry, you know. But as soon as you name him, it becomes a he and she and not about everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. And even. In court, Robert Hughes was quite smug and I think, you know, it's a fair assumption to think that he thought that he was going to get off the hook. Well, he'd gotten off the hook before. Yeah. Like he had he had been investigated and gotten off before and then anytime anyone in the industry spoke out, it was hushed up and then, of course, everyone was terrified of his wife and she, we think, you know, I've heard stories that you know she made a lot of things go away Mm -hmm. and so you know of course he if you keep getting away with it you just expect that you're going to keep getting away with it Mm. and he feels quite I can imagine that he felt quite invincible um because he had gotten away with it but let me tell you he cried apparently the first night in prison oh (laughs) I read about it because I've read the book behind the walls of Goulburn jail and the opening chapter is about Robert Hughes and his treatment when he first arrived in jail and Basically, all every single inmate filled up their milk cartons of stuff that you go to the toilet with and just threw it at him. And he was covered in piss and feces. And feces. But I, I wonder, though. They took a page from your book, it <laughs> yes. says. And well, and I, but I wonder, though, like, because that happens to all pedophiles in prison. Like, you always hear when people go to jail as, you know, a pedophile, they don't have a good time. So I wonder how much of that is to do with him being famous or whether it's just because he molested children. I think it was a bit of column A, column B, because the, um, you know, reading it, uh, the assumption that pretty much everyone was under is the fact that it had been on TV and, you know, the inmates, they watch TV and um, it was, but the pedophiles are the scum of the scum. And the fact that he was famous was just more of a trigger for everyone to just go, you know what, I'm going to make your life hell. And he did cry and he was covered in all these horrible things. And as an outsider following the story, it's quite satisfying I think, anyway. And I think it's just like, yeah, it serves you right. Like, you can't be invincible forever. So, I think... Well, it's... and my opinion is in the book, and, um, you know, he's in appealing, so I don't want to say too much. No, but I think absolutely. If you, you don't, don't have to say anything? If you don't want poo thrown on you in prison, <laughs> don't molest children. Exactly. That's my life. That should be on a bumper sticker. <laughs> <laughs> Tuesday, April 8, 2014, the day the verdict comes down, how did that feel? That was um, pretty phenomenal. Of course, I was already excited because the day before they had done the other three girls, they had already come through. And at that point, I didn't care if mine came through because I knew he was going to prison for what he'd done to... And what he did to the other girls, I finally, just a few months ago, read what he did to the others when they sent me the last appeal stuff. And I really did get away very lightly. 
um, he did some shockingly awful things um, to them. And so I was just, I was very happy for them. And even if mine hadn't, because my court case didn't go very well, um, and I was surprised that they did find mine guilt, guilty on mine. But at that point, I was already thrilled, and mine was just the icing on the cake. So, And can you even look at old episodes now? Here we are talking about this adorable headshot from you know your, your first series on the show. Can you look back at any of that stuff, or just does it come with a bunch of scars and memories you'd rather not think about? Well, I never really watched it anyway. And like when I first, <laughs> like when I first started dating my husband, who's American and he was working in Australia at the time, someone told him who I was, and they they brought out like you know the tapes, and I'm like, we're not watching it. I don't want to watch it. I don't want anything to do with it. And, and that's when he knew there was something wrong because I, I was so disassociated with it. And um, and then of course the only time like there was those Doodle Burger videos that came out. Oh, yeah, I know what ones you're talking about. Where they, did, they did one on Alf Stewart. Yeah, oh. and they did a whole bunch of Hey Dad ones. And, you know, we weren't allowed to laugh about it at the time because it's, it's pretty bad. But the guy was spot on. Yeah. So, you know, all of us were giggling behind the scenes. We're like, that's terrible. Like, it's terrible, Muriel. But, yeah, yeah it was like, so I've seen those and, you know, it's kind of amusing. But, no, I, for the most part, I, I don't watch it mm. at all. Do you feel you lost your childhood? I think as a child actor, you don't really have one anyway, even outside of that. So um, I probably don't think I had a normal childhood. But I, yeah. And what advice do you have for victims in a similar situation? Like you say, hopefully writing the book will help other people in similar situations, but it can't be easy. It's not easy. Um, And so I hope my book shows people the different emotions you're going to go through because nobody tells you how many different emotions you're going to go through and just how hardcore it is. Because I, you know, you watch Law and Order SVU and you're like, you see the lawyers and they were like, no, 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 it's not that bad. It's not that bad. And I think they're just trying to like, not sugarcoat it, but they know if it's, if they tell you it's that hard, you probably won't do it. Mm. But when you come out the other side, as terrible and awful and soul crushing as it is, it's worth it. So I hope people can see that by me putting it out there that they can read it and go, I'm going to go through this and that it's normal and that I don't feel like, because sometimes you think, am I the only one? Am I a freak? You know, am I having the wrong emotions? Am I over-exaggerating? Am I being, you know, irrational? And so I hope that people can read it and see that you're going to go through all of this stuff and that it's normal. It's okay. Well, I want to say congratulations to you for having the bravery to step forward and tell your story because People hadn't done it before and that you have probably stopped what happened to you happening to someone else for what you did. Well, and and now it's almost at that point where everyone is talking about it. Like you look at Gaga and Kesha and everyone. It's finally, we're finally getting that point. So I just hope that we can keep pushing it and make it so that victims don't feel shame because it's always put on us. And so I want people to know it's not the victim's fault. The person who should feel the shame is the one who's doing the bad Mm. thing. So hopefully, and by letting us be empowered and knowing then kids, if it does happen, they can speak up straight away. And of course, Kids Helpline, Lifeline are available for people who are looking for for help and guidance in a similar situation. One question, surprisingly, unrelated to anything, (laughs) Hey Dad. The fact that you worked for Homeland Defence... You were you won a shiny medal for it. I did win a medal <laughs> for working as part of Operation Border between the U.S. and, and the Mexico. Mexico. Uh-huh. 
what do you think of Donald Trump and his let's build a fence where oh, we're going to cut these good people question, out? question, Well, you know what? Mexico actually has a fence. Oh, sorry, we're, a wall. We're building a wall, yeah, yeah. says so, Trump. So Mexico, who was all like, we're not going to build a wall, they built a wall with Guatemala because they don't want illegal immigrants coming in. <laughs> What? <laughs> and oh. that's what people Who's do- moving to Guatemala? No, no, they don't want the Guatemalans coming to Mexico. Oh, right. And so it's very hypocritical that they don't want one because they've built one on the oh. other side so people don't come north. And Bernie Sanders has also stated that he would build a wall. It's just that he wouldn't ask Mexico to pay for it. What is going on in US politics? Interesting, isn't it? But I, 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 I'm not going to say who I'm voting for. Because um, I do have your oh, citizenship. Yes, because you're a green card person. No, no, no. I'm a citizen. Oh, sorry. Oh. Yeah, I've got the passport. Um, so that was very interesting trying to check in on the airline with two passports. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was terrible. But um, no, no. But uh, there. But I, I don't. It's Trump has done something because he's not paid off by all the special interest groups. So right. I don't he's necessarily. I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, but I love that he says it. Because he's completely changed the campaign and how everyone, like he says everything that nobody else would ever dare say. And they're finally going, oh, maybe we can be not so PC. Yeah, that's what happens, yeah, when, right. you're, what happens when you're answerable to no one but yourself. Exactly. So, and, it's, and it's great television. <laughs> I know. I fear for you and your new home should he get through. Well, I still have an Australian passport. <laughs> you are more than welcome back. Well, the book is allegedly by Sarah Monaghan. We thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your bravery. And thank you very much for your story and for joining us this morning. Thank thank you for having me.